Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. We're going to now do Alma chapter 52, and uh, we have just had the death of Amalekiah. I mentioned in the last chapter to pay attention to the date here because this is significant. It said in the last chapter that this was the end of the year. Uh, the 20th and 5th year came to an end, and also uh, Amalekiah died at that time. Now notice in verse 52 what's happening. Verse verse 1, it says, I'm sorry, chapter 52, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 20th and 6th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, behold, when the Lamanites awoke on the first morning of the first month, behold, they found Amalekiah was dead in his own tent. And they also saw that Teancum was ready to give them battle on that day. Now notice in verse 2 what's happening also. It says, now when the when the Lamanites saw that they saw this, they were affrighted. Okay, I want you to think about why they were afraid. Going back to verse one, with remarkable consistency, this is um, a comment by Jack uh, John Welch that I think is really excellent, talking about uh, the wars and stuff that's going on here. With remarkable consistency, the Nephite record reports a pattern of seasonality in Nephite warfare. Since wars in pre-technical societies are usually launched at opportune times of the year, the Nephite pattern of warfare tells us something about the seasons and their calendar. The beginning and ending of the Nephite year frequently falls around the time of major battles. For example, Alma 44 ends with the defeat of a Lamanite army and the return of Moroni's forces to their houses and their lands. Thus ended the 18th year of the reign of the judges. When all such dates are tabulated, the distinct pattern emerges that most wars were fought in the 11th through 2nd months of the year. But virtually no battling took place in the months 6 through 10. Instead, that period was when the mass of the mass of part-time soldiers were required to, to till the ground, <clears throat> delivering, the, uh, delivering their, their women and their children from famine and affliction and providing food for their armies. When the seasons for cultivation and warring in Mesoamerica before the time of Columbus are studied, an equally sharp division is seen. The schedule is essentially the same anywhere in tropical America, in fact. The preparation and cultivation of farmlands and other domestic chores went on from about March through October, which consisted, which constituted the rainy season. Wars began after the harvest and mainly went on during the hot, dry months, November through February. Of course, camping in the field was sensible at this time, and movement was, was least hampered by the swollen streams or boggy ground common in the other part of the, of the year. Putting these two sets of information together, we see that the fighting season referred to in the, in, in, the annals, in the annals of the wars in the books of Mosiah through Helaman, their months 11 through 2 likely coincided approximately with November through February in our calendar. Moreover, their New Year's Day is likely to have fallen near winter solstice around December 21st or 2nd, as with many other peoples of the ancient world. Inter interestingly, December was a hot season both in Mesoamerica and in the Book of Mormon, as we read in Alma 51, 32-37 and 52 verse 1. Recall that Teancum slew Amalekiah on the Nephite Lamanite New Year's Eve as he slept, deeply from fatigue caused by the labors and heat of the day. In Joseph Smith's New England, of course, New Year's Eve would have been icy. If one equation is correct, the Nephite calendar began near, if our 
equation is correct. The Nephite calendar began near or near our December 22nd. Verse 2, I'm going to continue reading verse 2 now. And now when the Lamanites saw this, they were affrighted. Why would these brave and ferocious Lamanites be terrified at the sight of their dead king? And they abandoned their design in marching into the land northward and retreated with all their army into the city of Mulek and sought protection in their fortifications. Why would the Lamanites be afraid? Here's another comment by uh, Alan Christensen. There is evidence that the Lamanites also recognized the importance of the new year in the renewal of kingship. To the Lamanites, the Nephites in the land of the north would have been considered evil adversaries, ripe for destruction. Divinely sanctioned wars were a prominent part of Mayan theology and were often tied to astronomical events or appropriate dates on the ancient calendar. It is therefore no accident that the Lamanite king Amalickiah chose New Year's to engage the Nephites in battle. The Nephite general, Teancum, took advantage of the situation by slaying Amalickiah on New Year's Eve, precisely when the underworld lords would have been believed to be their strongest. When the Lamanites awoke the following morning, expecting a divinely sanctioned victory, they found instead their king and protector dead. It is no wonder, then, that they fled in terror. Interesting, isn't it, that these, uh, these things happen at a certain time, and uh, from a superstitious standpoint, the Lamanites were terrified because their leader was killed when they were supposed to be at their strongest, according to their tradition. Verse 3, And it came to pass that the brother of Amalickiah was appointed king over the people, and his name was Amaron. Thus King Amaron, the, king, the brother of King Amalickiah, was appointed to reign in his stead. And it came to pass that he did command that his people should maintain those cities which they had taken by the shedding of blood, for they had not taken any cities, save they had lost much blood. And now Teancum saw that the, leader, that the Lamanites were determined to maintain those cities which they had taken, and those parts of the land which they had obtained possession of. And also seeing the enormity of their number, Teancum thought it was not expedient that he should attempt to attack them in their forts. But he kept his men round about, as if making preparations for war, yea, and truly he was preparing to defend himself against them by casting up walls round about and preparing places of resort. And it came to pass that he kept thus preparing for war until Moroni had sent a large number of men to strengthen his army. And Moroni also sent orders unto him that he should retain all the prisoners who fell into his hands. For as the Lamanites had taken many prisoners, that he should retain all the prisoners of the Lamanites as a ransom for those whom the Lamanites had taken. And he also sent orders unto him that he should fortify the land bountiful and secure the narrow pass which led into the land northward, lest the Lamanites should obtain that point and should have power to harass them on every side. And Moroni also sent unto him, desiring him that he would be faithful in maintaining that quarter of the land, and that he would seek every opportunity to scourge the Lamanites in that quarter, as much as was in his power, that perhaps he might take, take again by stratagem or some other way those cities which had been taken out of their hands, and that he also would fortify and strengthen the cities round about, which had not fallen into the hands of the Lamanites. And he also said unto him, I would come unto you, but behold, the Lamanites are upon us in the borders of, this, of the land by the west sea, and behold, I go against them, therefore I cannot come unto you. Now the king Amaron had departed out of the land of Zarahemla, and had made known unto the queen concerning the death of his brother, and had gathered together a large number of men, and had marched forth against the Nephites on the borders by the west sea. 
and thus he was endeavoring to harass the Nephites and to draw away a part of their forces to that part of the land which he did commit, which he had commanded those whom he had left to possess the cities which he had taken, that they should also harass the Nephites on the borders by the East Sea, and should take possession of their lands as much as it was in their power, according to the power of their armies. And thus were the Nephites in those dangerous circumstances in the ending of the, of the twenty and sixth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. But behold, it came to pass in the twenty and seventh year, so this is around 65 BC now, of the reign of the judges, that Teancum, by the command of Moroni, who had established armies to protect the south and the west borders of the land, and had begun his march towards the land bountiful, that he might assist Teancum with his men in retaking the cities which he had lost, and it came to pass that Teancum had received orders to make an attack upon the city of Mulek and retake it if it were possible. And it came to pass that Teancum made preparations to make an attack upon the city of Mulek and marched forth with his army against the Lamanites, but he saw that it was impossible that he could overpower them while they were in their fortifications. Therefore he abandoned his designs and returned again to the city Bountiful to wait for the coming of Moroni that he might receive strength to his army. And it came to pass that Moroni did arrive with his army at the, at the land of Bountiful in the latter end of the twenty and seventh year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And in the commencement of the twenty and eighth year, Moroni and Teancum and many of the chief captains held a council of war, what they should do to cause the Lamanites to come out against them to battle, or that they might by some means flatter them out of their strongholds, that they might gain advantage over them and take, take again the city of Mulek. And it came to pass that they sent embassies, to the army of the Lamanites, which protected the city of Mulek, to their leader, whose name was Jacob, desiring him that he would come out with, their, with his armies to meet them upon the plains between the two cities. But behold, Jacob, who was a Zoramite, would not come out with his army to meet them upon the plains. And it came to pass that Moroni, having no hopes of meeting them upon fair grounds, therefore he resolved upon a plan that he might decoy the Lamanites out of their strongholds. Therefore he caused that Teancum should take a small number of men and march down near the seashore, and Moroni and his army might by night marched in the wilderness on the west side of the city Mulek, and thus on the morrow... And this was by night, and on the morrow, when the guards of the Lamanites had discovered Teancum, they, they ran and told it unto Jacob their leader. And it came to pass that the armies of the Lamanites did march forth against Teancum, supposing by their numbers to overpower Teancum because of the smallness of his numbers. And as Teancum saw the armies of the Lamanites coming out against him, he began to retreat down by the seashore northward. And it came to pass that when the Lamanites saw that he began to flee, they took courage and pursued them with vigor. And while Teancum was thus leading away the Lamanites who were pursuing them in vain, behold, Moroni commanded that a part of his army who were with him should march forth into the city and take possession of it. And thus they did and slew all those who had been left to protect the city, yea, all those who would not yield up their weapons of war. And thus Moroni had obtained possession of the city of Mulek with a part of his army while he marched with the remainder of, to meet the Lamanites when they should return from the pursuit of Teancum. And it came to pass that the Lamanites did pursue Teancum until they came near the city Bountiful, and, and then they were met by Lehi and a small army, which, he had, which had been left to protect the city of Bountiful. And now behold, when the chief captains of the Lamanites had beheld Lehi with his army coming against them, they fled in much confusion, lest perhaps they should not obtain the city Mulek before Lehi should overtake them, for they were wearied because of their march, and the men of Lehi were fresh. Now the Lamanites did not know that Moroni had been in their rear with his army, and all they, and all they feared was Lehi and his men. 
Now Lehi was not desirous to overtake them until they should meet Moroni and his army. And it came to pass that before the Lamanites had retreated far, they were surrounded by the Nephites, by the men of Moroni on one hand, and the men of Lehi on the other, all of whom were fresh and full of strength. But the Lamanites were wearied because of their long march. And Moroni commanded his men that they should fall upon them until they had given up their weapons of war. And it came to pass that Jacob, being their leader, being also a Zoramite, and having an uncomfortable conquerable spirit, he led the Lamanites forth to battle with exceeding fury against Moroni. Moroni being in their course of march, therefore Jacob was determined to slay them and cut his way through to the city of Mulek. But behold, Moroni and his men were more powerful, therefore they did not give way before the Lamanites. And it came to pass that they fought on both hands with exceeding fury, and there were many slain on both sides. Yea, and Moroni was wounded, and Jacob was killed. And Lehi pressed upon their rear with such fury, with such strong men, with his strong men, that the Lamanites in the rear delivered up their weapons of war, and the remainder of them, being much confused, knew not whither to go or to strike. Now Moroni, seeing their confusion, he said unto them, If ye will bring forth your weapons of war and deliver them up, behold, we will forbear shedding your blood. And it came to pass that when the Lamanites had heard these words, their chief captains, all those who were not slain, came forth and threw down their weapons of war at the feet of Moroni, and also commanded their men that they should do the same. But behold, there were many that would not, and those who were not who would not deliver up their swords were taken and bound, and their weapons of war were taken from them, and they were compelled to march with their brethren forth into the land bountiful. And now the number of prisoners who were taken exceeded more than the number of those who had been slain, yea, more than those who had been slain on both sides. President Joseph F. Smith taught this, this about war. God is the greatest man of war of all, and his son is next unto him. And their warfare is for the salvation of the souls of men. It would not be necessary for them to use to use force, nor to permit their children to use force in, in order to conquer, if they would but, but humble themselves and obey the truth. For after all, nothing will conquer, nothing will win but the truth, and so far as the wars that are going on in the world are concerned. We not only want to see peace established among the children of men, but also justice, but above all things truth, that justice, peace, and righteousness may be built upon this foundation, and not depend upon the covetousness pride, vanity, evil desire, and for, the, and for power in men. I bear testimony of the truth of these things, that as we learn from these war chapters, that uh, every word that Mormon has written is for our benefit, and think back on these wars and, and how we can uh, use them in our own lives to defend against the wars that Satan is, is uh, waging against us. And I bear testimony of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.